Hello and welcome to the Katie Halper Show. So sorry for my uh, short absence. I've been battling a sickness, just being sick and the combo of the flu and strep and all those great things. So, but I'm back. This week's episode is a live radio recording I did at WBAI. I had with me in the studio, Rita Shuja Hader, and we spoke to Corey Bush over the phone. Shuja Hader is a writer for The Outline. Make sure you check out his recent pieces at The Outline, and you can find those at The Outline. You can also find those on his Twitter, Shuja X Hader. That's S-H-U-J-A-X-H-A-I-D-E-R. And he has a great piece that we talk about, about the superdelegates and democracy. And since our interview, he wrote a great piece about evil neocons and how they try to give advice to Democrats. He doesn't call them evil. I do. Corey Bush is a pastor, nurse, and candidate for Missouri's 1st Congressional District. She's also a Bernie Sanders surrogate. She's also been endorsed by Bernie Sanders, and she is featured in the documentary Knocking Down the House, which you can find on Netflix, which is about women who are insurgent candidates running for Congress. It features Corey Bush as well as Amy Valella and Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. And you can find Corey Bush on Twitter at C-O-R-I-B-U-S-H. Please rate and review The Katie Halper Show on iTunes, and please become Patreon supporters at patreon.com slash The Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash The Katie Halper Show. You can help make this show possible for as little as $1 a month. I kind of sound like Sally Struthers, but it's true. And if you become a Patreon supporter at $5 a month, you get access to Patreon-only episodes. That means you get extra episodes each week. So you get almost twice as many episodes. Uh, Sometimes they're extended interviews with the guests. Sometimes they're interviews with an entirely different guest. Sometimes I respond to the questions that you ask guests on Twitter. So you ask them on Twitter, and then I have the guests respond to them. And that's something you can hear if you're Patreon supporters at the $5 a month level. It's less than a drink a month. It's totally worth it. This week's patron-only episode is a discussion with Shuja Hader, this week's guest, and WBAI engineer Reggie Johnson. So during the live recording on the radio, we found out that Jason Johnson had been benched. As you may know, Jason Johnson, an MSNBC contributor, said the following in reference to Bernie Sanders. I don't care how many people from the island of misfit black girls you throw out there to defend you. And he is referring to... Friend of the show, former guest of the show, Brianna Joy Gray, who is Bernie Sanders' press secretary. After we recorded the episode, uh, Reggie Johnson made an interesting point about how the fact that Jason Johnson had been benched, but others hadn't been benched, other people who had said offensive things on MSNBC had not been benched, how that showed that he was actually perhaps the misfit, or at least viewed by MSNBC as the misfit. So... If you want to hear that great discussion, go to patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show and become supporters of the show. I'm also going to throw in some audio from my appearance on this week's Rising with Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty. Also, I may be doing some kind of live coverage of Super Tuesday. I'll be doing that either on Twitch or YouTube or something called Hot Mike. And I will be updating my Twitter and my Katie Halper Show Facebook page with a link. So if you want to see 
whether, if, and where I'll be doing some live coverage of Super Tuesday. Nothing fancy, no fancy studio, just in my apartment, maybe with someone else. Go to my Twitter, which is Katie Helps, that's letter K, letter T-H-A-L-P-S, or the Facebook page for The Katie Helper Show. Also, uh, just a note, during the main episode, I read a tweet from another friend of the show and former guest, and in my enthusiasm, I forgot to mention who I'm talking about, and it's Aaron Mate, journalist, Russiagate skeptic, Aaron Mate. And I read his tweet responding to the benching of Jason Johnson. Enjoy. Hello, good day, everybody. Good day. Hello, everybody. I'm Katie Halper. I'm the host of the Katie Halper Show, which you can hear every Wednesday at 4 p.m. on WBAI. That's 99.5 FM or WBAI.org on the Internet. And I'm here in the studio, uh, as always, when I'm in, the, I'm in the studio, I'm here with Reggie Johnson on the keyboards of engineering. He loves that. You're just going to make up. All the words possible yeah. for what I do here. On the right? ivory and ebony's <laughs> of the instrument that is the piano of life of, I don't know. Wow, that's... You're welcome, uh, world. Yeah, You're welcome, yes, yes. How are you doing? Yeah, I should, yeah. How are you, Katie? I'm good. I'm good. I'm still off. I'm still living off of the fumes of last night's terrible debate. Oh, my God. It was so awful. Yeah, and uh, oh. we're, we're going to talk about that. Oh, well, good luck we, on that yeah, one. Yeah, I know. We watched it so you didn't have to. <laughs> um, and live in studio, um, I got friend of the show, writer, journalist, writer at large, I believe. Is that what your title is at the outline? That is correct. Shuja Hater. Hi. Hi. Thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Yeah. Uh, Shuja's written a lot about <laughs> politics, writes a lot about politics for places including The Outline, um, The New York Times, where he's written about music. Once, yeah. Once. Oh, Shuja, you're so great. You're so humble. Most people <laughs> would be like, I have written four, but Shuja once wrote for The New York Times. Where else? Um, Jacobin. New um, Republic. New Republic. BuzzFeed. You got in Yeah, there, I was in The Nation was last the week. The Nation. That's still, oh, that's yeah. still current. Oh, I forgot about that one. Um but yeah, and you're and you are a, you're a funny guy. I'm gonna say you're a funny guy. And uh, do you That's identify rude. openly as a Bernie bro? Uh, boy, I don't know. Sorry, do you identify openly as a Bernie boy? <laughs> yes, that's yeah, that that's the do, preferred yeah. nomenclature. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, and uh, also uh, you can follow Shuja on Twitter at Shuja X Hater. That's H A I D E R. That's his last name. S H U J A X H A I D E R. We're also joined by Beatrice. And in, the intern, the Katie Helper <laughs> Show intern, but so much more. And we're going to be talking to Corey Bush, which is really exciting. Um, listeners may know, may not know. I hope they know. If they don't know, now they do know that Corey Bush is a um, native St. Louisan, and she is running for Congress. And she, you may have seen her in the documentary, Knocking Down the House, uh, which is a great documentary. It's on Netflix, and it follows um, her race. It follows the race of um, Amy Valella and AOC and other insurgent candidates. And she has been endorsed by, no big deal, Amo Bernie. That's Bernie Sanders. So we're going to be talking to um, um, Cori Bush, too, and we're very excited about that. And she is a great Twitter also that people really, I mean, she's so much more than that. I'm just saying she happens to have a really, really feisty Twitter feed that people should follow, which is just C-O-R-I 
Bush, B-U-S-H. And she's a candidate for Congress, uh, Missouri's uh, first district. She's also a registered nurse. She's also a Ferguson activist. She's a pastor, National Bernie uh, 2020 surrogate. And, uh, yeah, she's a people's champion. So um, have we called her yet or not yet? Oh, great. So let's just start off. Should we? You ready to talk to um, Dr. Bush? Let's do it. Okay, great. Are you there? Hello? Hi. Hi. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Love your show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we've been trying to get you on for a while. I'm so glad that the uh, schedules could align. I also saw you um, in Queens. Uh, There's a great photo of all of us, of all of us Bernie bros. It's me, you, Dr. Nina Turner, and Dr. Victoria, uh, Dr. Dr. Dooley. Victoria. Yeah, Dr. Victoria Dooley. I was just going to call her Dr. Dooley. Dr. Do, Dr. Do a lot is what I call her. Um, <laughs> and so tell us what you are, um, what you are up to, why you're running, what you want listeners um, to know about, ranging from listeners here in New York City to listeners online who are, you know, living all over the, the, the world and country. And of course, your own um, voters in uh, Missouri. Yeah. So I'm running for Congress. Uh, first of all, um, it's the same reason why I ran, why I've ran before. Um, it's about the mission and it's not about a name, fame, title. Um, it's because our communities have so many needs that seem to, it seems to get bigger and bigger. The, the group of people that need help just seems to grow and the resources are getting smaller. And, um, and just coming off of Ferguson, you know, being a Ferguson activist, I saw things that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. Um, things that I read in books, things that I saw in, you know, looking at archives, um, uh, archived information. And, and it happened in my community, you know. And so, you know, we stood up and we fought and we didn't even know initially what we were fighting. And so now, you know, it was just like, hey, take that same heart. That heart has to be in Congress and that heart is not. Um, prevalent in Congress right now. And so what did you see in Ferguson? How did that um, change the way you saw kind of your role in the world or what you wanted your role in the world to be? Yeah. So before Ferguson, um, just working as a nurse, I was pastoring. um, And I was honestly, my thing was just trying to survive as a black woman in in America that, you know, didn't come from any, didn't come from means. You know, I was in the payday loan cycle. I was struggling to take care of my kids and pay student loans. And, you know, and it was just a, you know, it was just, and then keeping my son safe. I wanted to keep my son alive, you know, and my daughter alive in a place where gun violence is so, is, you know, is just really, really bad. Um, and police violence is even worse to me. Um, and so, uh, so that was my struggle. But then when Ferguson happened, I saw how the community came together, regardless of what you, you know, regardless of your religion, race, um, socioeconomic status, you know, people just came together. I saw people that could have been deported, you know, our Latinx community, because they could have risked, they were risking deportation and they came out on the ground with us. We saw um, uh, people from Palestine came over mm. to the United States and sat with us and taught us about what to do with when you're tear gassed. And they knew they yeah. could be, you know, that that was, you know, could be a lot. I saw innocent people beaten and hurt just trying to fight for justice. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And thank you for mentioning Palestinians. And that's one of the things that makes um, Bernie Sanders so unique. It's just the fact that we hear someone who talks about a group of people who are kind of whose like question is, is uh, sorry, whose humanity is often questioned kind of implicitly. Yeah. Um, and, and it's this is like an amazing moment, I think that. Yeah, it yeah. is. 
Um, and he talks about it though. He keeps talking about it. I'm so glad right. that he makes the point. Yes. Like, hey, you know, don't 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 try to act like I'm an anti I'm anti Semitic. Right. You know, I love people. Yeah, let's exactly. Just, let's just do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and also as a as a fellow I'm like a I'm like I call myself a Bernie Jew. Uh, as a secular Jew, I've never heard you call yourself that. That's is that cool. what you call yourself? <laughs> really? You haven't? Oh yeah. And my and Shuja Hater here is here on the line, by the way. Hi. Um, How you doing, uh, fellow Bernie bro? Um, uh, yeah. No, I do. I because I, I I identify with that. You know that that this kind of cultural um, identity, and I have to say it's really nice because I'm so tired of as a Jew being allegedly represented by APEC, which does not represent most Jews. They are a really disproportionately powerful um, lobby and um, they don't represent most Jews. And it's so nice to have Bernie Sanders, who's Jewish, but that doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, it just makes it kind of cool to see, look, this is someone who's saying, no, I'm Jewish. I have a strong Jewish right. identity and my Jewish identity actually includes like a commitment to that humanity and shared values and shared humanity and um, yeah. social justice. Well, he's got in yeah. trouble for not attending the APAC conference, but did you see who's headlining it? Who? It's Mike Pence. And oh, my God. Mitch McConnell. Oh, my God. They're going to have <laughs> Steve Scalise. They're going to have some, like, literal Austrian Nazi guy. <laughs> wow. That was yeah. the only one missing. So glad they, they got you gotta the Austrian, have an Austrian Nazi. Nazi yeah, in there exactly. Because for... you got to be diverse. It can't be all exactly. Americans. You yeah. know, you know uh, ideological diversity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And ethnic diversity. That's right. Austrians. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Who will speak for Austrian yeah. Nazis at APAC, <laughs> apparently. Um, and do we have any calls, by the way? We want to give listeners a chance to, I should, I'll, I'll, let me read out the number. If people want quest, I want to ask questions to our esteemed guests, um, you can do that at 212-209-2877. Again, that's 212-209-2877. Say it again, 212-209-2877. Um, what do you think of, um, as someone who um, lived Ferguson, um, Want to know what you think of how Mike Bloomberg is portraying himself as a uh, gun control uh, advocate? Yeah, no way. Yes. <laughs> no I way. Was hoping no you way. Yeah. No way. Um, and, and it's a no way because uh, I guess when you've been on the other side of that, you know, it, no, I, I feel like this. Everybody can evolve. I get it. Yeah. You know, we, you know, we, I evolved during Ferguson. I get that. But the thing is, my, me, so me running for office shouldn't be where you get to see that I evolved. Right. What did I do before that? You know, before I chose to run for office. And so what did that work look like? And so, no, so many people, and this is the thing, um, Khalif Browder is still dead. Mm -hmm. You know, so many other mm -hmm. people died. So many other people are still in jail. So many other people um, lost. They, they lost families, you know, because of what he did. So just a regular I'm sorry, you know, like I didn't pay. I didn't really understand till later. It's not good enough because what won't you understand as president? Like, I don't want that kind of president that you got to understand later, you know, at four and eight years after you get out of office that, oh, that was bad. No, nah, we good on you. I'm, yeah. At least out. Yeah. I'm, I'm not speaking officially from the sure. Bernie Sanders campaign, yeah. Cory Bush. Right, right. Yeah, as or what, what does Nina Turner say? Channeling Bernie, all very fine people. Yeah. All very fine people. Yeah. Um, and what what did you think about the debates last night? Oh my God! I know. What was that like? That what was that? But I'll say this: we we I appreciate the fact that that they let us know who they thought was you know who they thought was front runner for real you yeah. know even besides the reports. So thank you for that. But our guy held his own and yeah. what he didn't do so what was funny is i keep hearing you know we always hear about how loud and how you know it's how um 
Senator Sanders yelled so much, but it seemed like he wasn't the one yelling last mm-hmm. night. One thing that he did, he kept raising his hand like, I want to speak, and other people were just jumping in, speaking. He was being respectful. He right. was doing his thing, and everybody's attacking him. But you know what? He kept his cool. But what I will say is there are so many other issues besides the issues that was brought up on that on that debate last night. And then also, we got to talk about, Im- when do we talk about immigration? Yeah. When do we talk about, like, there's so many things that we didn't talk about, you know, even in South Carolina, when I was in South Carolina and I'm listening to those kids that belong to those HBCUs and talking about what's happening in their communities, you know, and just so it's so much happening in that in that state that was not even brought up to that stage. Yeah. What, what would crazy. what would you have liked to have been um, for them to have been asked about? Well, that's one thing right there. Let's talk about um, what kind of what kind of resources um candidates are uh, bringing to uh, HBCU. Yeah. Let's talk about what is, um, let's talk about, um, they kind of hit on it a little bit talking about um, access to health care, but access to health care is more, it's not just having a place to go. It's about having the transportation to be able to get there. And so we have these, com- these communities where they're shutting down these hospitals and people have a long way to go to get to, to a doctor. Well, let's talk about that. Why are we, you know, why are we shutting down so many of the, um, of those um, um, places and what would they be able to do to, um, um, to help those people in those communities, not just with medical help, but mental health. Um, so um, it's just a few other things. And then, like I said, immigration, we, we still got kids in cages, mm-hmm. you know. Um, yeah, but you didn't yeah. see Nancy Pelosi is taking care of that because she ripped up a speech and she uh, and she clapped <laughs> during a Trump speech in a way that threw him major shade. So that's taken care of. Don't worry. That claps said it all. That claps freed, freed children from cages, yeah. Got it. I'll write that down. Yeah. What do you think of this, you know, the the listen to black women um, mantra that gets um, repeated by lots of people, but doesn't seem to be lived by 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 most people. Um, And we see this kind of listen to black women unless they have politics that are to my left or unless they have politics that I don't agree with or. Um, I, I saw that you I know you were um, justifiably upset by um, Dr. Jason Johnson's comments about black. Um, what was it? Um, black girls from the yeah. black we're, island uh, of island misfit, of, island of misfit yeah. black girls. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was how this meant. The, the irony is like it was amazing because this was his critique of Sanders having an intersectionality problem. <laughs> and the way he proved that, that, that this guy wasn't intersectional, didn't care about race or gender, is that he literally pretended that the only black women who support Sanders are are weirdos and <laughs> like some kind of human shields. Um, yeah. Yeah. What did you what do you think when you heard the hosts that? couldn't even. Oh, the hosts, they yeah, were, they were like, you know, yeah, they were done. Said, You're going too far. Yeah. Which right. he was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then his response was, I don't care, which I believe <laughs> he said twice. But right. You Thanks know, for the, letting the, us know the, in case we didn't know. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I, I yeah, it really struck me because, um, for a, for a few reasons. Number one, when you call us misfits, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're calling us misfits because we speak up. It's not right. like we're going outside like throwing eggs at ourselves and doing something that's just like people are like, what are you doing? Right, no, right. we're speaking up. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so um, so that's one thing. The other thing is, um, and then you want, and then you you were actually speaking what you want to see. I think that was part of it. You know, you want to see us isolated. You right. want to see yeah, people exactly. look at us a certain way. Right. Um, and then so you want to try to move shine away from these women that are doing great work. Right. The other thing was you had to make it about being, uh, being black. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to like, why did that? It's one thing to call us an island of misfit girls. It's sure. another thing, island of misfit black girls. Right. And then look, 
I'm 43 years old. Oh, yeah. I haven't been a, just a girl for a long time. Right. And Senator Turner, you know, is not a girl, you know, you know, um, um, that, so, so it was hurtful that way because in, no matter what you respecting, respecting people is that, you know, that let that be just Tuesday. Let that be regular. You know, you don't have yeah. to like Brianna sure. Joy Gray. You don't have to like S, um, um, S&T, but respect Senator these, Turner, respect okay. these yeah. women. Yeah. Right. Senator Nina Turner. Yeah. You guys are, I love um, the, the rad, what is it, Roseanne, Roseanne DeMauro is rad, SNT is Senator Nina Turner. <laughs> um, are you RNCB? <laughs> no, I get to just be Corey, just oh, the okay. Bush part is a problem. Yeah, <laughs> right, all right, yeah, sure, yeah. Um, uh, reclaim it, reclaim it, you got to reclaim the Bush. Um, That's right, I'm doing it, I'm working on it. I like it. it. Um, no, that was, that. it's true, and to, to be fair, you, you and, and, um, Senator Nina Turner, you do look very young. So that is a good, that's, that's kind of, even though he was being disrespectful, it's, it's a, it's a testament to how long, young you guys look for your age. So Yay. at least you can enjoy <laughs> that. At least you, if you're going to be demeaned, it's nice to be demeaned yeah. in a way that tells you you look young. <laughs> I, I would like that. Yeah. Um, that's right. But yeah, it really is. The, it's so funny because, but ca- calling you guys misfits, he's basically saying like, you don't belong in the cool kids club, right. the establishment Democrats, like we're the people who get paid to say certain things, how dare you, um, yes. how dare you, like, uh, ha- have ideas that don't, that don't fit in here. And he doesn't even realize that you're not weirdos. You may be weirdos yeah. at the dinner, t- dinner parties that he's invited to, where everyone is corporate and everyone fears any, like, re- re- you know, political revolution or just, like, making people's mm-hmm. lives better. But it, they're so out of touch that they think that, that you're, you, in other words, you're not. There's nothing outside of the mainstream about you supporting the the uh, most popular candidate in the race. What's outside yeah. of the mainstream is the fact that people like him or p- other people at MSNBC think that that's out of the mainstream. Does that make sense? It seems kind of like um, yeah. It- it does, yeah. but look, I'll I'll even take that, Katie. I'll take being a weirdo. I don't yeah. care what you call me. Just just let me deliver. <laughs> yeah. So so look look we you call us weirdos. Call us you know whatever you want to call us. But we're going to deliver to communities, and we're going to deliver to those same people that was clapping for him when he said it. We're gonna make sure you and your family taking care of too. We don't care. We, right. We we don't. We're not respective persons. We're gonna help everybody. Right. You'll get you'll get <laughs> Medicare for all too, even if you clap yeah, for that. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 We'll help you out. And what what would you like to to say? I mean, to there's been so much kind of um, pseudo allyship um, and name oh, checking of black women, but then not actually showing up for for black women that we see um, among so many people, members of the Democratic Party and um, the, and the media elites. What what would you like to tell them, or what would you like to implore people to do? Like, how can people actually? Walk the walk, not just talk the talk, if they care about the lives of black women. Yeah. Um, so one thing is is um, educating themselves and not expecting us to do all the education, you know, so, um, you know, and then listen to us. That's one thing that we really have a problem with is if we use our voices, then, you know, we're, um, you know, we're either getting too extreme or right. we just or we're emotional, we're angry. And but we we have a right to be angry. I'm angry all the time. Yeah. You know, give me what we need. So, yeah, I'm angry, you know, but I'm going to give you this, I'm, you know, you're getting this juice with it, too. Um, so uh, I think that um, um, educating people, educating themselves, people seeing just like when we when I, I'll just bring up one example. Um, the, um, I believe in 2018, the, the numbers showed that black women received the less uh, the least amount of money 
um, in contributions to their campaigns, mm. congressional campaigns, than anybody else. Any anybody else, you know. Um, and then we, we also talk about who carry the who carries the most um, student loan debt in the right. entire country. Right. Black women, you know. It's like so many of so much of that. So highlighting those things. So you know, so that people can help us by you have a table, bring us a table, or you don't have a table, but you can give us one. Give us the table. Like like I think that that's where it starts because it's 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 um it's one thing to say that you support us, but then you have access to resources or you have stuff and you don't um you you don't allow us in those spaces or allow us to um be in um leadership in those spaces right um we by the way we're listening we are at the katie helper show i'm your host katie helper i'm being joined by um on, on the phone by Corey bush the formidable Corey bush who is running for congress in missouri um she's an activist she's a registered nurse she's a pastor uh she is a mother she is a social justice warrior, uh, and I'm also joined by. Wow, sorry to have, have to put you off. Yeah, do that, you have Shuja. that sorry long about an that. intro for me? Or? I'm joined by a very good, smart, funny writer, Shuja <laughs> Hater. Um, that all sounds vague. Yeah, um, but I can attest to all of them. And um, actually, Shuja, you've uh, and, and people can call in um, at two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. Again, that's two one two two zero nine two eight seven seven. And um, Shuja, I, you, I want to bring you into this discussion too because you also have been someone who. Um, you've been called a Bernie bro as well. You've often voiced frustration with liberal weaponization of identity politics. And this is something that I think really comes to the forefront with Bernie Sanders because people can't really attack his politics and policies, so they have to pretend that to support like progressive politics makes you a straight white dude and to... Um, well, yeah, that's the whole concept of the of the Bernie bro, con- right. you know... Uh, uh, s- you know, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the idea that uh, only a certain type of person can have a certain type of politics, uh, that's really limiting. And it's clearly not true. I mean, in 2016, uh, the Clinton campaign really harped on this. Right. Um, and, you know, that whole bro concept became a uh, defining feature. And, and it's coming up again yeah. this year. It's a little harder to sustain because... Time and again, you see that uh, it's a diverse array of people who are taking uh, a position in favor of redistributive economic policies of, you know, kind of uh, a more equitable approach to politics. Right. Uh, it doesn't align uh, in the ways that, that that word or that term is supposed to designate. Well, also, I, I do love when people get all like pseudo woke and they're like i hate bernie bros and the erasure of people of color and women lgbtq people in the meantime they're like pretending that you're white and saying that uh, there was this blonde woman i remember who tweeted at you like wow i guess you don't know what it's like to have like um ice show up on your doorstep yeah yeah. i mean in 2016 white people called me white so many times i lost track right you know because bernie made you white yeah because of the political positions that that we were talking about as leslie lee said yeah and also you've talked about this and um i there's a really interesting way that some liberals who pretend to be good in identity politics kind of forget about um uh well you wrote an essay all about this kind of this meta identity of arab muslim je ne sais quoi that happened this is like a very long discussion but basically because of islamophobia there's this pan identity of arab muslim americans that um it doesn't really matter what religion you are 
it doesn't matter what uh, ethnicity you are, and you're all seen as kind of the same. Yeah, I think that being Muslim uh, in more ways than people are widely aware of is it's more like being Jewish than it is like being right. Christian in that it does refer to certain ethnic associations, certain cultural identities. Uh, it doesn't – I mean I'm an atheist, but right. – uh, Right, and I'm an atheist know. Jew. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly, right. So just the whole concept of being an, an atheist who belongs to that right. category. Uh, I think that exists for Muslims in a way it doesn't for Christians. Right. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean people get confused by that. Yeah, and they get confused and they also – somehow you're, you're not really included in the – like no one talked about Bernie's unprecedented support among – um, Arab Americans or Muslim Americans. No, no one who cares about cares pretends to care about this stuff ever mentioned that. Right, because it's just an inconvenient. But thing. it's it's undeniable if right. you look at the numbers. Yeah, Amo Bernie. That's, uh, yeah, that's right. uh, Uncle in Arabic. Um, do we have some? Yeah. Okay, we got some yeah. calls on the line. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hi. Welcome Hi. to the Katie Halper Show with uh, me, Katie Halper, Shuja Hader, and Corey Bush on the line. <laughs> well. Katie Halper, when I heard your voice, I just actually turned it on, and I was calling, before you even mentioned Bernie Bro, oh, I was calling to ask you what the, uh, a, a question about this subject, and I was so happy to hear you talking about it already. It was synchronicity. Oh, great. And Maggie. what's your name or where are you are calling from? Sorry, I forgot I'm, to ask. I'm, I'm Zabby, and I'm calling from Suffolk County, and hello, Corey. And I... Hello. Hello. Hi. And um, I just wanted to, um, I had heard the term Bernie, uh, Bernie Bro when you were actually on um, the, the uh, show uh, that I think I heard during the time that WBAI was off the air. You were uh, doing a show uh, with um, the um, Pacifica Across America. You were either a guest or, um, and it was wonderful to hear you during that time. And you had said it in such, like I, I said, wow, what a lovely terminology, Bernie bro, wow, that's, uh, that's so loving and so sweet. And then to hear this term turned around as a pejorative by uh, the opposite side, my question is, oh, how can we own the term, or should we be right. owning the term, or what? What shall we do to take back our term and make it a loving term? Right. Is, because that's how I heard you say it, and that's how you did. You mean it that way? Well, I actually I meant it in a in an ironic reclaiming of it because it was invented as a smear, um, and so a bunch of us would would. Um, use the hashtag Bernie bro. I wrote a piece of, I've written a couple of pieces on it because from the beginning, what we saw is that the Clinton campaign um, tried to invisibilize all the people of color, all the women, all the LGBTQ people who supported Sanders and uh, the movement he represents. Cause it's not just about Sanders. Right. Um, and so I wanted to reclaim it and also show, yeah, this is what a, a, a Bernie bro looks like. And so a lot of us would use that hashtag and, and to disrupt it. So you have like the three of us here, uh, Shuja Hader, myself, and Corey Bush, we are all people who shatter that notion that you have to be a straight white dude to be a Sanders supporter. Um, and as Shuja referred to, this no longer has any demographic support um, because Sanders coalition is such a multiracial one. And he is now he's even doing as uh, better than Biden in 
um, among all black voters. Is that the latest, or is, is it? I haven't seen those numbers, but I have seen that. Or he's on the, yeah. That that it does seem to fluctuate. Yeah. Based on the state. Based on the state, yeah. He always had younger black voters behind. Oh, the, absolutely. Yeah, I yeah. think that is a that, national yeah. thing yes. that, that yes. among yes. Uh, younger uh, people of color. Right. And Latin. Oh, we have another phone call, and then I want to hear from you guys, um, Corey Bush and Shuja Hader. But um, let's take another question. Who are you, please, and where are you from? Hello, I'm Walter. I'm from New York City. Hi. Thanks for calling. Thank you. So, you know, I'm listening to this, and part of what I think the danger is, is that, you know, even taking identity and calling it identity politics is necessarily accepting a diminishment. I mean, I think it's the position, the thought, the self-interest that is building the coalition. You know, as people realize, you know, they're complex problems, they need complex revolutionary ideas to change things so that things get better. And so even to fight to reclaim a term is playing to the other side. Sorry, I don't know. How do you mean? Which So fighting over the term Bernie bro, is it a pejorative, is it not, is a losing battle. You know, let them call you what they call you. Let's just keep the work going forward. Sure. You know? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think... Because the opposition is always never going to like you because they're in opposition to you. Right. So whatever they do to you and do to how you're identified is just vilification. So an argument about vilification will pull you away from policy, will pull you away from building a coalition will become a non-issue that they love you spinning your wheels about. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. Just be strategic, be yourself, continue to work. And I think that's what's really great about everybody who's spoken so far, you know, the senator and every, you know, for you know, the pastor who's going for Congress um, and the writer. You know, it's really great who you are, who you're being, and the change you're making in the world. Yeah. You just focus on that. Let hmm. history decide what we are and what good we've done together. Okay. Um. Yeah, I this is this is Corey Bush. I will say this though, when we talk about identity politics, we 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 want to be careful though because identity politics that was coined from black women. That yeah. was coined by it was um black feminists that coined that. And the point of that was because we wanted you know black women um because of how the system had been towards black women and and um and just you know so it was like hey, you know, um and so I just want to make sure that it's not like black identity politics is this. Uh, I mean, like identity politics is this black thing, is this bad thing. Right. People are throwing it up like that's, you know, something that's in the way. No, it's 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 there for a purpose because people have to acknowledge that black women are leaders. That black women, um, we you can't erase us out of um, out of politics or anything else. And so pay attention to the fact that I'm black and I have barriers that, that um, I'm a black woman and I have barriers, the same ones that you may have, but I also have more additional ones. Yeah, I think Corey brings up a really good point here, which is, I mean, for one thing, when people use that term identity politics, it's really hard to tell what exactly they're, they're talking about right. at this point. But yeah. the origin of the term, yeah. uh, as far as I know, the first usage of it is in the Combahee River Collective Statement. It was the Combahee River. Right. Yes. So the, the, the organization yes. of black women uh, in the in the 70s. Uh, and the co-founder of that group, Barbara Smith, she's Barbara very vocally uh, been a supporter of Bernie, yeah. Uh, yeah. kind of in direct contradiction to the way right. people want to create an opposition right. between economic justice on yes. one hand right. and racial and gender justice on the other. I think, you know, the point that someone like Barbara Smith was trying to make from the very beginning was that those things are not incompatible. They're actually, you know, parallel and intertwined. Right. 
Yes, right. It's true. And it, and actually, I was on a at an event I spoke at in at Harvard, and I am um, we were talking about this, and it it does become we need a better shorthand for this because it really is like the the hijacking of and the weaponization of and the distortion of identity politics. That's the issue. It's not identity politics. It's the misuse of it and the hijacking mm-hmm. of it. And I actually, I remember, uh, it was great because Phil Agnew was there at the event that, that I was at, and there were two panels back to back. And on the second one, he made this that really important point that basically that you're making, Corey, which is that let's not confuse like the the i don't even what would what's the right word for it the like exploitation of identity politics using it cuz it's not it, it's not the identity politics that that was developed at by the Compahee River Collective right it's a, the attempt to actually undermine identity politics well i think i think that what you what you saw throughout the 90s uh, in liberal politics and then you know kind of was culminated with the clinton campaign was the idea of just reinforcing uh, kind of these old-fashioned ideas of meritocracy and so on, but just giving right. it a kind of multicultural surface. Yeah, you know, rather than actually trying to create conditions of justice. Yes, mm-hmm. and focusing on having like a more diverse Raytheon board. <laughs> right. I do think that that's a lot of what the Dems do. The establishment Dems is that they want a instead of a top one percent, they want a top ten percent, and they want it more diverse. Mm-hmm. But they still are interested in not having ninety. That may be even more generous. Than, yeah, you're right. Than, what seven yeah. percent or something? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, but tell us more about what about what you were working on in your campaign, uh, Corey, and also how you got. I mean, you were in this really moving documentary, um, "Knocking Down the House," about uh, women insurgent candidates, and we see you running and working hard, and you and you, it's kind of you know it's heartbreaking when you do lose. So how did you? Yes. How did you pull yourself up again and decide to re-enter and not give up? Yeah, it was it was rough. Um, I'll say um, because. Actually, when I found out that I lost, it was because a journalist came up to me and said, hey, are you going to go ahead and are you going to go ahead and give a speech? Because, you know, you lost. And he wow. showed me on his phone that I lost. And I'm nobody had told me yet. Wow. You know, so um, it was really rough. But when I looked over to my right, my team was over huddled in a corner and I, I walked over to see what they were doing. Mm. They were planning the next race. Wow. At the party while they were planning and organizing and they continued to do that for the next several months. Um, and so I finally made the decision to run the same way that I made it the time before. It was because I realized that these issues aren't these issues. We still don't have what we asked for. We still didn't get what we need. I didn't accomplish the goal. People are still dying and hurting in our communities. And this is the way to go. So um, you can only win if you run. And um, uh, so I picked myself up and thought about every single person um, in our community that's looking for help. And I and let's do it again. Great. Um, well, thank you so much. We would love to have you on again. Yes, and I'll come back. Thank great. you. Great. Yeah, thank you so much. And where can people find out more about you? Um, I'm at coreybush.org, C-O-R-I-B-U-S-H.org. It's not re- I'm not related to George or Jeff. <laughs> okay, great. Um, <laughs> and uh, you can find her on Twitter at Cory Bush. Twitter, is, yes. Yeah, C-O-R-I-B-U-S-H. Thank you so much. And you're listening to the Katie Halper Show. I'm your host, Katie Halper. That was Cory Bush. You should definitely keep following support our campaign and I'm here with Shuja Hader. Um and uh Shuja, let's let's keep talking about politics. Talk about what we That's what, I'm what here we for. do best. Yeah. Now it's interesting. We just spoke about um uh Dr. Jason Johnson and we found out in real time he has been um 
benched the, um, uh, by MSNBC for his smearing of Bernie Sanders. Now, I got to say something. Friend of the show, former guest, has a great, uh, an interesting tweet, which is what Johnson said was horrible, but it's a bad look to throw him under the bus while having no punishment for host Chuck Todd likening Sanders supporters to Nazis and host Chris Matthews equating Sanders surge to Nazi occupation. I kind of think that's true. Um, or you think it's just it was just more person, more of a personal dig. I don't. I mean, I don't know. I I think the 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 Chris Matthews thing was so like abstract and weird. He was just rambling. He's a little just, maybe senile. Yeah, I don't he's know. Got some Joe Biden. I mean, he did apologize for it as well, right. uh, which I don't. I don't believe Jason Johnson has he, done. He did. Did he? he okay. Did. All right. He he tweeted an apology. I just I thought that was particularly bad. It was a you know very ad hominem and right. uh, you know uh, just. Personally, in, in, in all kinds of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's true that, Ch- Ch- I mean, the systemic um, bias against Sanders, it's funny. It's like we can talk about the Bernie bro stuff, but it's almost more dangerous to do what um, Chris Matthews and Chuck Todd do, I think, in some ways, because they're they have an air of authority to them. I think you're right. I mean, I think that in in ways that don't sound like they're insulting or yes, don't, they don't exactly. sound like they're attacks, they're always kind of reinforcing these yes. uh, troublesome ideas right. about, you know, who's allowed to say what and uh, characterizing, uh, you know, the whole spans of opinion as unacceptable. Yes. They do that work every day. Right. And I think that that's why um, – I don't know if you saw any of them. Did you see that a um, someone who works for um, – who's a Pete guy, who's an official Democrat, actually asked for – Oh, yeah. Uh, for Bernie Sanders to muzzle Nina Turner? Yeah. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Nothing's happened with that. So Mayor Pete, we should do we should do a segment where we ask them to condemn their bros. <laughs> Mayor Pete, can you kindly condemn that person? Um, he's an official from the Democratic Party. What about uh, Elizabeth Warren had to support, had a surrogate who said a lot of homophobic and um, racist things? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ashley Marie is her name. Um, mm-hmm. She said a lot of things about Asian people, gay men. I don't think Warren said anything about that. And I, I don't I don't think that these people are responsible for their most toxic followers, but they say that Bernie is. So I just want them to be right, consistent. Right. Right. right? Um, also, we got some people telling Megan Day. Uh, I think they like they hacked into her um, into her Twitter account and tried to shut it down when she criticized Pete Buttigieg. So. Well, I, yeah, I, I'm going to take your word for it. I don't I don't uh, track these things as quite as closely. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that uh, the Bernie bro narrative is really dangerous. And I think that uh, the idea that we actually had like not I was actually really surprised that the last debate, they didn't bring it up. They had brought it up in the other debate. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It had been in the air so much that I did also think that they were going to you know, try to try to get him on that. Yeah. So talk to us about your um, you you let's let's talk a little bit about the issue of delegates and you wrote about this at your piece in the outline. Can you explain to to, to listeners the significance of what happened at the at the not the last debate but the one before then when people were asked about giving over their delegates? Right. So this was the last question in the debate uh, in which uh, Chuck Todd asked all of the panelists, uh, all the panelists, all the candidates. Yeah, exactly. The, I believe Michael Bloomberg called them, called them contestants last night. Right? Last night. Yeah, amazing, yeah. All the contestants in the game. Uh, he asked them, if uh, you you all go to the convention in Milwaukee in July without enough delegates to qualify as a majority, uh, will you honor the result of that uh, of that 
outcome, meaning the person with the most votes will become the nominee. Uh, and he said specifically that he was going to save Bernie for last because he already knew what Bernie was going to say. And he went to Bloomberg first. But one by one, all of them said, no, the person with the most delegates will not necessarily be the nominee. Uh, and if uh, somebody doesn't reach a majority, then we're going to go through the next stages of the processes designated by the DNC rules. Now, this may not have really been comprehensible to all viewers, I think, because it was in reference to a kind of a wonky feature right. of the of the process. Uh Basically, when we when we vote in primaries and caucuses, we're voting not directly for the candidates, but for delegates who are going to go to the convention and vote on the candidates. Uh, and the DNC rules make a distinction between a majority and a plurality. Plurality is the biggest number of any of the possible uh, candidates that doesn't necessarily reach more than half. So if somebody doesn't reach more than half, the result is not going to be honored, and they're going to do a second ballot where the delegates get to vote. And the delegates can change their mind. And in the second ballot, this time, what can happen is that superdelegates can also participate. And those are people who are not attached to any candidate. They're people like members of Congress, Democratic governors, former presidents, things like that. They can vote however they want. Uh, and in 2016, they were able to vote on the first ballot. Nearly all of them voted for Clinton. So she did go into the process with an advantage. Right. One second. Hold that thought because we have yeah. a caller. Please tell us your name and uh, where you're from and your question. Hello, uh, this is uh, Stephen from uh, Redwood, Queens. Um, actually, my question has to do with uh, Joe Biden in relation to the majority versus plurality of uh, potential delegates um, going into the convention. Uh, based on how he's tracked out for Super Tuesday and beyond by, you know, everyone's favorite pollsters, uh, do, do you see him being a realistic uh, plurality or majority destroyer for the Sanders coalition, and uh, how tenuous of a uh, like Biden opposition does the Democratic establishment need to maintain to be able to, uh, you know, get through the convention in people's good graces? Well, I mean, I think one of the biggest, you know, stories of the election cycle so far of the, of the primary cycle is that is Biden has been crashing and burning, you know, from the beginning, from the first in, in the results in Iowa, I believe he was in fourth. Is that, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he was expected from the day he announced to be the front runner because he was, you know, just that type of guy. He was a former vice president. He's been around for a century. You know, people thought he was going to be ahead no matter what. He's running for um, Senate, as he told us the other day. And, and apparently that kind of narrative is just not that convincing to the electorate anymore, which, you know, the 2016 election probably should have been a sign of. Right. That, you know, having experience or the being resume, very or well resume, established, yeah. uh, that doesn't endear you to the voters. Right. Good. Yes. Uh, we have another question. Please tell us your name and where you're from. Hello. Hi. Yeah, uh, my name here comes from Williamsburg. Um, I don't really have a question. It's just I wanted to say how great it is to hear you on the radio. You've been preempted for ridiculous fu fundraising programs for so long. And I 
met Bernie in uh, in 1963 when we both were organizing for the Student Peace Union. Wow. I was in Pittsburgh. He came from Chicago with a group of people who were kind of upset because I was organizing a lot of younger people and they thought I should have more politically sophisticated people. I still think I was right. It was just a year or two after that the Vietnam War became strong, and these these were people who had a right to oppose it. Yeah, but, wow. Uh, that, that's all I'll say. I, I, I'm really glad you're back on the air. Thank you. And what's your name again? Sorry. My name's Eric from Williamsburg. Okay, Eric from Williamsburg. Thanks for listening and calling in. Another call, yes. Welcome to the Katie Halper Show. I'm here with uh, Shuja Hader. What's your name and Hello? what's your question? Hello? And where you're from? Hello? 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 Can you hear us? Yes. Um, I'd like you to talk about this nonsense when they throw at Bernie that he's a, a millionaire. Didn't he just become one in yeah. his late 70s due to book sales? Yes. So uh, what's your name and where are you from? Just so, so I can Rebecca think. from New York. Great. Thank you, Rebecca from New York. Yes, that's one of my favorite uh, anti-Bernie smears is that he's a millionaire because, yeah, as you said, he, yes, he recently became well uh, that wealthy thanks to the book sales. He wrote two book, good books. But the thing that kills me is that the thing that would make Sanders a hypocrite would be if after becoming a millionaire, a millionaire, he stopped advocating taxing millionaires like that would make him a hypocrite if the second that he entered a certain socioeconomic class that changed the way he thought these people should be treated that would be hypocrisy his becoming richer than he was before and having the same exact politics just makes him more consistent and that much more righteous that's my opinion what do you think about that shuja I mean, I, I think it's a moot point when you have literally two billionaires running, well, one too. of whom is paying for the whole thing with his own uh, endless supply yeah. of funds As uh, he tells us, yeah. and is buying people off left and right. Right. I mean, and, and you, you got to think about how a billion is a thousand millions. Yeah, I know. You know it's an insane amount of money. Yeah, right. It just, yeah, it's really It ridiculous. rhymes, but it's not, you know, really a similar right. amount. Besides that, they got a lot of letters in common, but yeah. very different. I don't know what's hearts and minds. I think it's something like a uh, uh, billion dollars is as though you you filled. I saw this. I'm probably going to get this wrong, but I'm just going to say it. It was. It's as though you filled a stadium with all the seats are a millionaire, and you put all their money together. That's a billionaire. Wow. Think about it that way. You right. Know? Also, we should mention this is very related. Last night, while we were watching the debates, while people were watching the debates, and you should remember this for every debate. Often the audience at the debates are not, you know, as as uh, Amy Klobuchar would say, t- Tom, Dick, or Harry, Uncle, whatever. Uncle Dick in the deer shed. Yeah, I don't know what like the that. hell she's talking about. Yes. Um, and remember, we can't curse on this show, but but we haven't cursed. We're just quoting that's Amy Klobuchar. Name. That's his that's, name. That's, that's her turn of phrase. Dick of, Klobuchar. Yeah, Dick Klobuchar, we, who, who hopefully found grace like her father did <laughs> with his alcoholism. Um, but... Uh, the people in the audience had to pay a lot of money to get into that uh, debate audience. So just so you know, the people, unless you were fooled by the fact that the the two out of the, of the seven people on the stage last night were billionaires, you should also know that to access the to even be in the building to even watch the debate, you had to have paid over, I believe, a thousand dollars. It was eighteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah, eighteen hundred dollars. That was the minimum. the minimum. It went yeah. up to yeah. three thousand two hundred. Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, those are the people who are are clapping, um, hooing and hawing and booing. Yeah. 
Um, do we have any other people on? Okay, we got time for like one more question. And if you have them or comments, you can call 212-209-2877. Again, that's 212-209-2877. Uh, Shusha, what's next uh, for you on the, uh, what are you re- working on next? You got any stories in oh, there? I, I can't reveal. Oh, my you can't reveal, but, but you're, secrets. but you're working on more things. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's your process? How do you decide what you're going to write about? <laughs> um, you know, it it just depends on what pissed me off the most. That so week. that's what it is. You just you can say, you can say that, yeah. <laughs> right. Pissed you off, yeah. It, what what pissed you off that determines it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once I know I got really angry about something, yeah. then I I can start writing about it. Do you have a journal? No. Good. Don't journal. Don't process it. Don't don't talk okay. about it with a therapist because if you're if you're not <laughs> angry, then uh, you probably won't be as good of a writer. Uh, we got another caller. Yes, welcome yeah, to the Katie Apple Show. Yeah, it's Margaret from the Bronx. Hi, Margaret from the, the Bronx. The person who was there was explaining about how the delegates are going to be counted, but he never finished. Could he please finish what oh, yes. he was explaining? Yes. Thanks. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Sure. Um, yeah, okay. So uh, in the first ballot at the Democratic National Convention, there are, I believe the number is 3,979 delegates. And those people are all sent to the convention after we vote. So they are pretty much guaranteed to vote for the candidate that won proportionally that local contest. Uh, if nobody gets 1,991 delegates, which is 51% essentially, uh, that means that the outcome is not honored and that they're going to do a second round of voting. And that second round of voting is just going to be up to the people at the convention. The delegates who were sent there and then the super delegates are going to be able to come in. Uh, so the superdelegates in themselves, if everyone else voted the same way, depending on the numbers, they could change the outcome of the election. But beyond that, the delegates themselves can change. And so, you know, after the Iowa caucus, uh, you saw on a lot of the networks, they, they displayed the results with Bernie having like, cause he won the popular vote. So he had something like 26% of the vote. And then a lot of them showed like, Versus the moderates who had like 52%. And it was, it was Biden, Klobuchar and Buttigieg all added up as though that's a candidate, you know, is that they're standing on top of each other's shoulders in a trench coat, you know? Right. Uh, so what could happen in that second ballot is that the three of them or, and their supporters can decide that whichever one of them is the most viable, they're all going to back that person and kind of instill a coup, uh, by the moderate wing of the party. Uh, and we're not going to have any say in that. It doesn't matter how we voted. In the second ballot, pretty much anything goes. All right. Not very good. It's really not a good situation. What can we do about it? Can we do anything about it? Jimmy Dore was predicting this, by the way, friend of the show. Well, let me tell you about the last time it happened. Yes. You know, in, in 1968, uh, Hubert Humphrey won the nomination after winning zero primaries. He did not win a single primary in the nation. Uh, Eugene McCarthy, who uh, opposed the Vietnam War, was the front runner, but he did not achieve a majority of delegates, and the party establishment handed the nomination to Hubert Humphrey. And look how uh, well he people, did. People remember President Humphrey. Yeah, President Humphrey, our one of our one of our cherished presidents up there with Lincoln. But uh, people were uh, rightly furious, right? You know, and and it led to a lot of public protest. Yeah, and it's interesting how the takeaway from that is always like McGovern isn't vo- is uh, didn't didn't win. Well, I mean, yeah, that's 1972. Uh, is a tricky situation, though, because you got to think that that was the first election in which only the second election after the passage of the voting rights time uh, overturned a lot of the Jim Crow voter completely altered. And if you look at the electorate today, look young people of color. Those are the very right. 
and the demographics are very different. Right. Now. I was jump. I was jumping from Consecutive one McGovernism yeah. to another McGovern. You know, you have Stephen King. All these people. It's like you know, there have been some elections since 1970. Progressive isn't viable. You know what? Look what happened to Goldwater. We have no shot. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. Or I mean, it why took over not the world? You know. Hillary Clinton lost. Was Absolutely. she history? Right. The, 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 the anti McGovern candidate right. uh, of all time. Whatever they yeah. called her. Um, any more? Uh, I guess we have time for one more question, or should we just wait? And Shuja, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Anytime. Shuja Hater. Uh, follow Shuja Hater at Shuja X Hater. That's S A R. Uh, Corey Bush, C O R I B U S H. Uh, tune in next week, uh, 4 p.m. on WBAI to hear the Katie Helper Show. Thank you so much, Beatrice, and thank you so much, listeners. And you can find me on Twitter at KT Helps. That's letter K, letter T, H A L P S. Thank you so much for listening to the Katie Halper Show. Once again, the person whose tweet I read about Jason Johnson is Aaron Mate, journalist, friend of the show, former guest of the show. To hear a very interesting discussion between me, Shuja Hader, and Reggie Johnson about the benching of Jason Johnson, become Patreon supporters at the $5 level at patreon.com slash the Katie Halper Show. Again, that's patreon.com slash the Katie Helper show. I'm also going to throw in some audio from my appearance on this week's Rising with Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty. The Katie Helper show is edited by Ted Reedy. Our theme song is by the band Cordova. 